Yes, sir. Me ready football podcast. Podcast a little early this week. Kind of like Tuchel's firing. What's going on? <laughs> wow. um, good man. I love that intro. I love that intro. Yeah, podcast a little bit early this week. You know, no football because unforeseen for circumstances. One of your aunts passed away last week. Condolences. So no football for us. But let's talk about football instead. Yes, and uh, when you talk about the Queen passing, I'm wondering if that momentum will carry England to the World Cup. But again, I'm sticking to it, and you're going to hear it over and over again. England is going to flop at this World Cup. Anyway, moving on to recent activities. Uh, Tuchel got fired, and I'm sure many people have heard different views. But yeah. I don't want to save this for you. I haven't mentioned this anywhere else. I've said this going on over a year. Tuchel is a very, very good manager, but Tuchel became a prisoner of what happened when he won the Champions League. And I've said this over. I don't have any real evidence, but this is my hypothesis. When Tuchel took them over, Chelsea were a mismatched team. He managed to organize them, and they were extremely fit in a COVID-hit season. They got the manager boost, they got the organization boost, and teams were completely flummoxed. Combined with like Kante and Jorginho playing at an extremely high level. I've said over and over again, Kante's level was not sustainable. It was mainly because he was fit while everybody else was tired. And that yeah. flummox people, when they signed Lukaku, I said, when people were saying they could win, I said, my prediction was Chelsea by the end of the season would have to have changed their base setup. What did them, got them to work? Why people think they're going to win? He did not adapt. Right. And I was a bit surprised to see him go so quickly because Roman Abramovich is no longer the, the owner. So I was wondering if that was still a part of their lore. Chelsea lore were like, yeah, you come, you do well. If you don't, you go. You go. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately for Tuchel, it had to it had to go. They made all these mismatch signings. He's still he's trying to organize this team like the team that he got basically two years ago. And that was weird. Yeah. No, and no, I agree with you. I've I've been seeing consistently all summer that I, I don't think Chelsea have a plan. Uh, just based on how they approach the transfer market, um, everything actually from, from the takeover, from Robin left, from Bo Todd Bowley came in, I just thought everything was haphazard. And Chelsea have been haphazard for a while, but it just looked spectacularly haphazard this summer. Um, getting rid of the backroom staff, uh, the this taking over signings as a as a owner of yourself, that uh, the types of players they were going after. One week they wanted Cristiano Ronaldo uh, or or Obama Young. Tuchel says no to those. Uh, next week they're signing Sterling. Then they go for Kukarel. Like it just looked all over the place for me, and it, it reminded me of that period when Lampard just was was just allowed to start signing players, and they brought in a bunch of haphazard pieces that didn't fit together. It seemed that they were repeating the trick. And and let's be fair, when, when someone takes over a club, when someone buys a club, usually it spells the end for the current manager. Um, usually they want to bring in their own guy. So not I'm not totally surprised that Tuchel eventually was was relieved of his duties, but it just seemed like there was no real plan both on and off the field in regards to any of these things. When Lampard took over, he took over a developmental project in terms of Chelsea were a team that couldn't make any signings. That was the policy. Mm -hmm. And it was basically just tasked at try and get in the top four 
um, and be somewhat interested. I thought Lampard did that. I really did. Uh, then they made a bunch of signings. That that Lampard, inexperienced manager, my cousin, just didn't have any, <laughs> just didn't have the the tactical nose to figure it out. Tuchel came in and you know beating a dead horse there. He figured it out, organized them. But what is going to be the adjustment, right? And then what is the counter to the adjustment? Mm -hmm. uh, Chelsea fans kept for years, was kept telling me. Kubali was going to be this. Kubali is going to be that. They also want to sign Maguire as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was just random pieces. Um, I still never understood with Chelsea and what Tuka was doing in terms of are they a young team or are they an old team? They seem to be mixing mixing it up. And I, I figured like we saw what he's doing with Ruben Loftus Cheek, which in the Champions League were extremely unlucky. In four halves of football against Real Madrid, they only played one bad half of football. The rest mm -hmm. of it, one. Uh, and they used Ruben Loftus-Cheek in an extremely clever way in the second leg. Again, that was clever then. Then you try and use him in a similar role. It doesn't work as well. Then you move him to another world. It doesn't work as well. It, it's, um, I don't know what they were doing during the preseason, but it seemed like whatever his plan was in the preseason, week by week, they kept changing. Oh, and yeah, for sure. What, what was going on? I mean, just based on some of the stories coming out in preseason, apparently they had two different squads, squads based on players who wanted to stay and squads based on players who wanted to leave. And then they went on tour and they mixed those squads. So clearly there was really no plan. There's no cohesion. Uh, Tuchel had problems with um, Bowley's interference on his side of things. Um, Bowley wanted a very close relationship in regards to the manager signing off and players bringing in coming into the club and Tuchel has made that clear that that's not his job and it's not something he enjoys doing he likes giving you the list and you complete it so just a just a whole mismatch of ideas on and off the field and it's a it's a shame because I am a huge fan of Tuchel but at the end of the day I've been saying for a while that he's also disappointed me at his role as Chelsea because there's been no evolution in that play since he, he locked the Champions League. You're you're being very nice about it. I think he really locked the Champions League. Well, yeah, it, they took a bit of luck because when they played against Real Madrid in semi-final, Red, Real Madrid were on dead legs. And mm -hmm. if you watch even the Champions League final, you watch any of those games towards the late end of the season, Chelsea seemed to be playing in fourth and fifth gear and everybody else was on third gear. I, they, yeah. they just... The level of pressing that's being done by Havertz and Mount and Conte and Jorginho, it just seemed hey, Chilwell looked like one of the best players in the world. <laughs> they just, yeah. because I think a lot of them had, because again, Frank Lampard had the team, he didn't know what he was doing. So a lot of them was mixing and matching. So they had a lot of rest. They didn't have the miles on them. So they were able to finish it. I remember this was a COVID hit season. Yeah. So yes, players are tired towards the end of the season. They were even more tired because of COVID. And yeah, that was the thing. Lastly, on Chelsea, though, I said, I didn't believe they should have sold both Lukaku and Werner. I, fig I figured they needed some cohesiveness there. Yeah. Uh, they got rid of them to then bring in Obama Young. Yeah. And I just think Obama Young is the worst player to play with Sterling. <laughs> Honestly, as I said, I, I don't think there's any plan. As I said, as details have come out over Chelsea's last couple months, it's it's summed up on deadline day. They brought in Abamayang, who is pretty much a worse version of Lukaku and Werner. They brought in 
um, Dennis Zachariah on loan, a player that Tuchel had no interest in uh, a couple of weeks before. Uh, they were they were said to have bid for Lavia, the Southampton guy that Southampton just signed for must say $10 million in the summer. They were bidding $50 million for him four games later. So clearly there's just no real cohesion. There's no real plan or idea of what to do moving forward. They just want to get bodies into the club. And 59 minutes later, after Obama Young makes his debut, his manager, who he signed for the club, is no longer in the job. And they have a new guy in charge who will probably go into January needing similar levels of investment. Chelsea is a real Tinder club. They just press in like, 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 <laughs> and they never accepts the, the process after. Yeah, man, we're, we're just going to press like, 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 like. <laughs> Chelsea Tinder. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I, I thought I think that's what they've been playing. All right. Show sorry about Tuka being going here. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where he comes back to. Going forward, though, what do you think about Chelsea going forward? Uh, well, again, I really still think there's no real plan, but Graham Potter is now the man in charge, and I, I think that's a very interesting signing for Chelsea because historically, if you go back to the Roman era, they've always had these periods where Roman has said, I want to play attractive football. They bring in these guys who supposedly can play attractive football. Within a year, they're just like, no, it's not working. You have to go. And then they go back for the guy who is a little bit more basic, wins some trophies, and then rinse repeats. Uh Interesting appointment. I've been a fan for him for a long time. I, I loved the Brighton project. Brighton's one of the few teams in the EPL I actually look forward to watching their games. Shame to see him leave, but it's going to be interesting to see what he brings over to Chelsea. Chelsea's on the Tinder Lie program. Like they're on the profile, they're saying they're extremely, extremely willing to play attractive football. We, we, we were planning on scoring all these goals, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, we know Chelsea's DNA. Chelsea have a history. Yeah. This is Chelsea history. They said this to you when I said it to you when Tuchel won the Champions League. That's Chelsea's history. Chelsea's history is, <clears throat> sorry, we are going to be a counter-attacking, defensively sound team. <clears throat> that, that's oh, just man. the history. Yeah. With Jose Mourinho... Um, pre Jose, I guess you could go, but that's when they, whenever they have had success, they have played that style of football. Carl Ancelotti had an idea, and he was extremely scoring a lot of goals in Anelka, Drogba season, scoring lots of goals with Lampard, but it didn't do good in the Champions League, and boom, he was gone. Um, so over and over again, whoever they bring in, if they can play to that Chelsea DNA, will be one thing. Um, if they change it, I I haven't I haven't seen Chelsea in twenty years being yeah. able to figure out how can we be an innovative attacking team. They've always been a simplistic attacking team. Yeah. Well, based on, on based on, okay, sorry, give to the credit when he yeah. took over, they were doing some tactical things with Kai Havertz and Mason Mount and Kante, where they were running from different deeper positions, switching with the attacker. Pressing. There, were, there was some interesting things that they were doing, thing, but that was those were those tricks rather than sustainable um tactics. Yeah, agreed with you. Well, if you if you were to believe the propaganda coming out of the Todd Bowley Todd support groups, they have a plan, the twenty thirty plan. Their idea is to invest in youth. Um, they they certainly did sign a lot of youth this summer, 
um, for, for pretty decent fees as well, by the way. Um, I signed an American goalkeeper for almost 10 mil, an Inter Milan kid for over 10 mil. So they're investing, oh, the, the Aston Villa youth for about 20 mil. So they're investing in youth. They have a 2030 plan where the philosophy is supposed to so, supposedly change into one that's more innovative and attractive. So let's see if that happens. They gave Graham Potter a manager who apparently lines up with those ideals a five-year contract so clearly they're backing him to be successful so we shall see how it goes but then so again they also I'm signed Obama Young so who really knows what the plan is every every ownership group on the earth says the same thing we're going to invest in youth and we're yeah. going to do this and we have these plans no here's the plan we're gonna we're gonna spend money and we're gonna hope that these players fit together and win games that is the plan they were going to invest in youth. Every club wants to invest in youth, and none of them ever have the patience to invest to stick with youth. Because yeah. 95 to, to 99 percent of the youth that you invest in ain't gonna be good enough, and yeah. they ain't got the patience to wait on that one percent half the time. No, Unless yeah, I agree. One percent turns out to be what Sterling was. I'm using English players, what Sterling was, what Foden is. Like when they come on the scene, you instantly see. People ain't got the, the moment you look at look at a player like Gallagher. Gallagher did well at Crystal Palace, and I've been critical. Even me, who wants Gallagher to do well, I'm like, I'll send that guy back to the Crystal Palace. So I can only <laughs> imagine what Chelsea fans thing is saying. They're like, yo, this guy's whack. Yep, pretty much. That's pretty much where they are right now. Yes. So you know, talking about players though, interesting. Jude Bellingham. I saw someone post that they think Jude Bellingham is overrated. Right. Um, and I kind of thought shock, and the way how they put it was the basic basically the some of what they're saying is he isn't very European in the, his stylistic play. Basically, he can't make a hundred passes a game. That's mm-hmm. what I got from the, the tweet that was sent out. I don't want to give the person any acclaim for the tweet, but that was an idea, and I was going through the um propaganda responses. And the problem with these responses is that half of the people who who this who agree. Are only agreeing because I want to say because he's English, so that's why they rate him, you know. Yeah. Uh, me, me go to you first. What do you think of Jude Bellingham, um, Stefan? Uh, big fan, always been a big fan, been a big fan from, from his since he was at Dort. Oh, I'm sorry, not Dortmund, Birmingham City. I oh. always liked his skill set, I actually thought he looked very special in the championship. I was happy to see him reject the likes of Manchester United to go to Dortmund to, to develop his game, and you know. To call him overrated at this point in time, well, that depends on what you're you're rating him. Are you rating him as the best central midfielder in Europe? If you are, then yes, you're overrating him. If you're rating him as one of one of or if not the best 19-year-old central midfielder in Europe, that's a different argument. I think he's right up there in in regards to the 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 players in his age bracket. I think he's right up there. I think he has all the qualities to go on to be a successful player. Uh this is his third full season at Dortmund. And, and I think he's going to go from strength to strength. I think the reason a lot of people are now calling him overrated is because we expect him to make a big money move next summer. And then also he's English. So you have the, the naysayers who will just automatically rule a player as overrated based on his passport. But another thing that I think works against him is the fact that he'll, he'll be sold by, by Dortmund. And if you really look into it, um, we expect him to probably be one of the most expensive Dortmund sales, if not the most expensive Dortmund sales next summer. And if that happens, he will be in the top five for sales from Dortmund. And if 
just going off of the last what that top five will be next year Dembele hasn't worked out for the most part Sancho hasn't worked out for the most part Christian Pulisic hasn't worked out for the most part and Pierre Bemek Abamayang didn't work out for the most part so a lot of people just look at that right there and say you know when Dortmund sell a player for big he, he usually doesn't make it so they're they're overrated I thought Obama Young did well when he just went to Arsenal. I yeah, would say about uh, a year and a half. We, well, Mario Gotza, he was um sold. Well, he left, got his contract. Yeah. At the time, it was seemed like big money. It didn't work out well for him. And even before that, Shinji Kagawa, a player yeah. I didn't rate, uh, he was so it didn't work out for him. Uh Jude, when it comes to Jude Bellingham, what position do you think is his best position going forward? Like. If you could look in the future, what position do you see him as? Uh, that's interesting because, as I said, young career so far, and he, he's played quite a few roles, um, ranging from very deep in midfield to central in midfield, pointed midfield. He's even played wide a couple of times. But for me, uh, you you did touch on the fact that people say he might not be able to make 100 passes per game. There's probably some truth to that. But I still like him in a deeper central role. I think he has the ability to cover ground. He does have decent passing, uh, in both in regards to range and completing his passes. And I think a strength of his that will start to come to fruition more as he develops is the ability to score goals from deep. So I see a bit of Aaron Ramsey in him, a bit of Frank Lampard kind of player. So mm-hmm. I'd rather see him develop that box-to-box attacking role. But and it's too early because, as I said, he's still 19 years old. He's not even 20 until next year. I've said this before. I don't really like when it comes to English players and people saying they're overrated. I don't really like talking much. That's why I wanted you to go off. Because obviously, if I say he's good, it's going to be because he's English. And if I say he's bad, it's because I'm pessimistic. Mm-hmm. I, I just think he's fantastic. I think he's super skillful. I think he's a better version of Frank Lampard, my cousin. Uh, we see if he can put up Frank Lampard-type numbers. A lot of it's going to depend on which coach he goes to and which system he goes to. Like, you can't tell me that if he went to Manchester City, he wouldn't be a better version of what Gundogan was two seasons ago, eventually. Mm-hmm. Like, I see him doing that. Of course, Gundogan was better in close quarters and be able to start play. But I'm pretty sure um, working in City, he would eventually work on that aspect of his game and the rest of his game would eventually correspond with it. So, I- I'm a huge fan of him. I'm not. I'm not buying that, so... Anyway, people are saying he's overrated. Well, as I said, England's going to flop. So if he starts saying like, <laughs> you know, you no. know what, uh, yeah, what I want, what I want to ask you though, going forward, Stefan, sticking out English is Marcus Rashford in some form now. Um, people been posting different things on him. And another thing that I mentioned to you was fans just don't care about players in terms of you have you have a bad back. I don't care. You're starting score. Yeah, and I fans don't care. Don't, fans don't care about players in any regard, bro. What are you yeah. talking? But yeah, go ahead. It's it's simple. Like I remember with Marcus Rashford, I used to do this all the time on social media, Facebook when it was popping. I was just defending players, defending players, and trying to be logical. And then eventually, I just gave up. I'm like, I can't educate the entire world mm-hmm. on what, how they should analyze players. And I remember saying with Marcus Rashford, I was like, it's simple, score. I'm yeah. not going to defend you over and over again. It's simple. Is it going to score? You're not going to score. If you score, people, are, you're going to get ratings. If you're not, 
I can't, I, it's unfortunate, but no one's going to care. He's had fractures in his back, bad feet, bad ankles. Um, he went to the Euros when he should not have gone. And for my sake, I wish he didn't go. Mm-hmm. Maybe he gotten someone <laughs> else to take the penalty. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, you know, that's how it is. So I want to ask you, Stefan, though, when you talk football with people and they're talking about players, have you ever been like, that? you know this player is injured, right? Yeah. Um, for been injured for two months, like, you're judging him on unrealistic expectations. Uh, well, just to add some context to this Marcus Rashford, I, I believe you're bringing this up because Tony Marshall came out yesterday and confirmed that he played injured for for Oleg Anasasher for two months. And that led to a lot of people bringing up already publicly known knowledge about Marcus Rashford saying that he was playing injured, which was always known. And now mm. people are sympathizing with him as if it wasn't the same case months ago. When and they were all, they're only sympathizing with him because he scored the last two games. Yeah, exactly. So and people are just like, oh, what, um, what, what, what terrible situation he was in? Why was Ole forcing him to play? All of these things were known when he was playing. The Man United fans still got on his back when they knew that he was sacrificing his body, like he's sacrificing a chance to go to the Euros and do something positive. So no, another player has confirmed it. And interviews from the, the Europa League final where he said there was five to six or seven players playing injured for that team. Sacrifice. As I said, I said when I, when I saw all of these things happening, I'm like, well, maybe you should take some blame for that, Marcus, because you're sacrificing your body for one of the dumbest fan bases in the game. But no, the actual oh, question is very dumb to be fair. Yeah, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. That, that 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 might be true, but I'm a bit of the anti-fan, you know. I like to specify them sometimes. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, no, I, I feel like over the years I've developed an appreciation for the things that players put themselves through. Uh every time I see a lineup come out, every weekend I see fans complaining, Oh, why has the manager arrested this or why has manager dropped this player? He's so stupid. You ever think maybe the player's not a hundred percent? You ever think that maybe there they needs to freshen something up? There's a lot of reasons why players play and don't play. Some of them are simply as they're not a hundred percent. They might want to save them for this. For the most part, players are never a hundred percent during the season. They're always carrying something. Some of them carry bigger weights than others. Calm down, fans. It's not the end of the world. Good goal by Vinicius while you were talking, by the way. Have okay. a really good game against Mallorca. That guy uh, c- clearly heard our podcast and heard that you trashed him and just went on to super superhero level. Man is a top 10 football player. And again, if you're a Brazil fan, you should be really excited about what's going to come um, in, the, in the World Cup. Obviously, I'm not a Brazil fan, so I'm not much excited. <laughs> But shout out to him. Shout out to um Vinicius really playing well. Um uh, scoring yeah. again. Nice goal. Uh when you look at we spoke about that Barcelona yesterday. Um Messi getting an assist for PSG. Um just wanted to just throw that in. Um <laughs> what do you think about Barcelona so far, Stefan? Uh yesterday in you know, Barcelona they I saw their starting lineup come up and I saw they had done some rotation. Lewandowski was on the bench and like my, my f- initial reaction, like looking through the squad was just like, wait, do, do Barcelona have a good squad all of a sudden? Like they ended last season with a very bad squad for me. And I thought they needed to get rid of some key, pl- some key components to raise money to get in better components. 
but they managed to keep those players and strengthen it and they look like they've gotten rid of the players they should have gotten rid of while bringing in or, or holding on to good depth pieces. Barcelona look interesting. I'm not going to say that they're at a point where I believe that they're good enough to win trophies because I, I definitely don't think they're going to pass um, Real Madrid in the in the league or even challenge for the Champions League. But I am quietly impressed with what they've done over the summer and they look good so far. First thing when I see their starting lineup and I see PK and Busquets, I'm like, they're still playing? That's the first thing. Secondly, when I, when I watch Barcelona play, they remind me of Barcelona when people didn't used to really watch them pre Ronaldinho. Yeah. Like, this team is going to go to the Champions League and they're going to boss most teams that they're going to play. They may not win yeah. uh, because I don't think they have enough star. They have enough stars, but hey, Lewandowski. <laughs> if he if he can he, he might can make me look like a fool. Shout out to Dembele because you were talking about not working for the most part. He seems to be playing really really well. And Lewandowski got two assists yesterday and a goal. So mm-hmm. I said I, I I wouldn't go as far as you. I, I'm I'm actually stuttering here. Looking at their team, and I'm really looking at it now. I think I would favor a fully strength. Barcelona versus every team except a firing Liverpool, a firing Manchester City. I don't think I would. I think Barcelona should be able to beat every other team. Interesting, interesting. PSG, 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 but PSG is going to flop. Um, (laughs) And they always lose to Barcelona. So, yes, again, unless it's a firing Liverpool. Which they are not right now. I really and truly only City I would favor them to win. The problem with Barcelona is that they will play like a Juventus um and and lose an aggregate two one in the tie, they should have won five two. Yeah, I mean they might they might face a Juventus or an Atletico Madrid or any any defensively sound team and, and struggle there. Uh, you didn't mention Bayern Munich. So is that is that you ruling Bayern Munich out? Bayern Munich. I always forget about Bayern Munich, you know, because they hide in their in their league, and I always seem to forget about them. But I don't, I don't look at Bayern Munich the same without Lewandowski. I really don't. Yeah. Um, I know Antonio Davis is fantastic. I know Gnabry is a good. They have players, and yeah, Thomas Muller. Yeah, I'm not going to forget about him. Good, um, very good football player, and all. And Musala playing really well, scored again today. But I don't look at. I, I I believe Barcelona versus Bayern Munich is an even game. Even. Well, we shall see this week. No, I think they're in the same group and they play each other coming up. Exactly. So, but yeah, I would favor Barcelona. I really would. I'm well, not. I'm not really sold on this um, Bayern Munich team um, per se. I think they're at the end of their cycle. They won their Champions League. They're on a mm-hmm. down. And eventually, they'll pick up some players and be back on up again. Yeah, outside of City. And if I in Liverpool, I, I think Barcelona. I'm picking Barcelona to win the Spanish league. Oh, interesting, mm-hmm. interesting. Well, we yeah. shall see. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not there. I definitely think they're. The way I put it the other day was, I think Barcelona's work over the summer has given them a strong enough team for the fans to complain about when they don't win La Liga, because they might come close. But I, I'm just not fully convinced yet. But we shall see. Yeah, Real Madrid have a good team. Um, but Real Madrid midfield, Cruz and Modric are still trugging along. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Kamavinga is a good football player, but he's still, I would say, a year away at least. I'm not really sold on Rudiger and Nacho in the back. Alaba is a legend. Um, yeah, uh, and Vinicius, as I said, is really, really good. Rodrigo is a talented player to have in your team, but I don't think these players are players that is going to really scare Barcelona. Agreed. I really don't. I think Barcelona feel like I think Barcelona think they can score and they should be able to contain. Um, we'll see that, that we'll see if um Karim Benzema has the same season that he had last year, where he was the best player in the world. Of course, if that happens, then yeah, Real Madrid fans should feel upbeat about it. But they kind of stole another Champions League, and it was really good. So, uh, that's yeah. funny. That's funny. I mean, well, last year, just based on the two matchups between Barcelona and Real Madrid, uh, they were they were fairly close. I think Madrid edged the first one at the Nou Camp, and then the return leg uh, uh, at Barca. But uh, reason I never mentioned that was because the second leg, Benz Benzema, second game, Benzema didn't play. Oh yeah, that's true. That I I, I did forget that. I did forget that. Never. But yeah, it's I mean, interesting. If he if he if he, if he if he wasn't playing last year, I, I wouldn't count the. The defeat for Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, what's the best player? Um, I re he's thirty four now. Uh, see if he can, can carry it on. But you know, weird season. All right, before um, we go, anything you want to talk about? Uh you, you kind of mentioned something a while ago about a firing Liverpool and and the fact that they're not firing at the moment. Uh, tough time for the German managers in in EPL. Tuchel left, but Jurgen Klopp seems to be getting some naysayers coming for his. For his throne, what do you think about that? You think Liverpool are fine? You think Liverpool are in trouble going forward? Liverpool will be fine if Salah continues to play at a high level and if James Miller goes into retirement. That's <laughs> the problem with Liverpool actually is even simpler than that. Virgil van Dijk is no longer the world all-time legendary form defender anymore. And that's Man. the problem. Yeah, honestly, um, Liverpool Liverpool have made me look so incredibly stupid this season so far because in the summer, I, I had them as champions-elect. I said they were going to dethrone Man City because I, be I believe they had the depth um, to play and actually win trophies this year. They, they pushed City all the way to the edge last year, and I think if the season had two more rounds, they probably would have gotten it. And I also pointed out, you know, that one, once Virgil van Dijk is fit, they get 95 points three times in a row that's happened. He absolutely looks horrible. Um, they lost Mane, who I said, you know, I, I don't think Mane is a huge loss because Diaz is going to come in. I think Diaz has played well so far, but the goals have dried up for the team on a whole. They scored all of their goals in the season in one game, and that looks to have bitten them in the ass. So I'm, I'm, I'm concerned right now, you know. The other day I was talking to some friends and I said, you know, Liverpool, all they have to do is start scoring goals again. They'll be fine. And then we kind of broke it down and he, he was pointing out that Robertson and Trent haven't played well. And I was like, oh, that's fair. Um, the defence hasn't looked well. I'm like, okay, that's fair. And the, mid the midfield looks devoid of ideas like with Thiago. And I was like, oh, shit, they're in, they're in problems. I don't think Trent Trent Vicks has been bad. Robertson hasn't bad. Uh, if they can get Gomez informed like he was pre-injury, that would be something... Uh yeah, Mane Mane going, you know, he's on Bayern Munich. No, he mentioned Bayern Munich. I thought I thought Mane well last year played really well. He had started to dip with um Liverpool for the most part, and they were able to get results with him off the field. Um so I, I didn't really think that. The reason why I had City beating them was that if Haller is as good as people tell me he is, right? And he's nothing should matter, right? Football player. 
Manchester City should win. Then yeah, nothing should matter. It really should be that easy. You're telling me Haaland is a top five player and you're adding him to this team, right? Yeah. And they're trading Haaland. Basically, they traded Sterling and Jesus for Haaland, right? Yeah. And Haaland is a top five football player. I was like, yeah, then I understand. Sterling wasn't even starting towards the end of last season. Jesus, yeah. as much as I like his overall football, doesn't score enough goals. And you're telling me Haaland, top five player, going to score goals. That's why I was going with him. We see if they have the depth, but but any team that can withstand the striker loss is Manchester City because yeah. they've been playing without a striker for so long. <laughs> yeah, to, to to their success. Like yeah, it's if City were to lose Haaland for a month or so, right? No one would excuse Manchester City. They'd be like, yeah, they should still be able to be, be okay. So yeah, which that. is funny because everyone always says Man City needs a striker. But if they got a striker and they lost him, they'd be like, oh, it's, it's no big deal. They didn't need a striker before. Striker. And see, and Holland is definition of what people, even though I hate the saying, the cliche saying, plan B. He's literally, they're, he's literally they're playing, they're playing their way. And he's, he's just a second option. He hardly touches the ball. He's hardly involved on the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's basically simple. We use you when we when we can. You just make use of yourself when the opportunities come. And yeah. they play around him and if things and then when he does when he if he gets a chance, score simple. Anyway, I've run out of things to say. Um, <laughs> so I catch up with you next week, Stefan. All right, man. Well, maybe next week we'll be doing another no EPL podcast based on your aunt is ruining football for us, but we'll talk. Well. As I said, we have the World Cup to, to look forward to. Well, you will be looking forward to that. <laughs> All right, man. Peace. I have a second round exit to look forward to. <laughs> now, England are going all the way, man. You're bringing it home for... They're going for... all the way to get our... To come back. That's all they're doing. No, We're England not... are going to do what the English do. They're going to go to a faraway land and take all the glory and bring it back home and present it to their new king. It's the start of a new dynasty. God save the king. All right, <laughs> Stefan, catch your video. Peace. Peace.